Hey, everybody, get ready for an informative episode from Parents' Rights in Education. I'm Suzanne Gallagher, and I'm looking forward to our time together. We stand and defend the fundamental rights of all parents to raise their children and firmly believe children belong to their families, not the state, not the teachers, the teachers' union, or any other bureaucrat. I invite you to visit our website, parentsrightsined.com. Sign up to receive our news alerts. Like our Facebook page. Join or form a Parents' Rights and Education affiliate chapter. Making your voice heard is always easier with others. Just grab a couple friends and you're there. We will help with training, information, branding, and contact referrals. Let's start a Facebook group for you. Submit the chapter inquiry form on our website, parentsrightsined.com. Hi, this is Suzanne Gallagher, and this is Parents' Rights Now. We're starting a new series today. Uh, It's part one of Comprehensive Sexuality Education. And our topic today is the Kinsey Connection. Parents' rights in education is concerned about the disproportionate focus on sexual relations in public schools beginning in kindergarten. Designed to change traditional sexual and gender norms of society, controversial behaviors are taught to minors, including details of anal and oral sex, mutual masturbation, and gender options. Even in light of no negative physical and emotional health outcomes for sexually active children and age of consent laws, minors are told they have a right to have sex early and often, and that engaging in sexual behaviors should feel pleasurable. On the Parents' Rights in Education website, there is an Issues tab titled K-12 Student Health. We use this term health to make a point. This and all other subjects are taught and considered by the education establishment to be for our children's health. The following information is part of the Comprehensive Sexuality Education Issues page. And from this time forward, we will refer to it as CSE. Alfred Kinsey is the father of CSE. Why the international frenzy to teach children K-12 to be sexual? What's that all about? Quote, while no one noticed at least 317 infants and children were sexually tortured by pedophiles, For Kinsey's allegedly scientific child sex data, educators repeated his pedophile conclusions. Children were sexual from birth. Hence, school sex education should be mandated, unquote. That's from Dr. Judith Reisman. Dr. Reisman is accepted as an international expert witness on human sexuality, Her study supports the conclusion that Alfred Kinsey's research was contrived, ideologically driven, and misleading. Contrary to popular belief, those who oppose CSE 
are not against sex ed. Typical accusations include cultural ignorance and uncaring attitudes about premarital pregnancy, which is utterly and completely false. Parents today want their children to be knowledgeable about their developing bodies and to understand the risks associated with sexual relations at an early age with multiple partners, including pregnancy, HIV, and STI prevention. Although CSE curriculums address these issues, the underlying premise and actual curriculum focus is of the greatest concern. Alfred Kinsey, considered the father of CSE, built it on the premise, children are born sexual beings, and because of it, they have a right to sexual pleasure by themselves or with a partner. Even more incredulous is the notion children should be involved in regular sexual activity to maintain good health. Inspired by these theories, current law provides children rights to sexual privacy and autonomy, birth control, and abortion, purposely excluding parents. According to Kinsey followers, most societal sexual and gender norms, especially those based in religious beliefs, are considered repressive, even unhealthy, and should be changed. The following story is a true account by research subjects for the Kinsey Human Sexuality Project at Indiana State University. This one is taken from Casualties of Kinsey, the Truth About the Founder of Sexual Decay in America, and is published by Abstinence Clearinghouse, featuring my friend and renowned advocate for parents' rights, Dr. Judith Reisman. The complete document is available on Parents' Rights in Education website. Just type K-I-N-S-E-Y in the search bar. This is Esther's story. With the biblical heroine Esther as my example, I am coming forward to expose Alfred Kinsey and his evil plan for a new world view so that we might save our children. In the 1920s, my grandfather was a student at Indiana State University. Kinsey influenced the students and faculty on campus with his new ideas about sex. The academic world worshipped sex education and Kinsey was their god. In 1938, Kinsey's ideas about sexuality caused my grandfather to steal my innocence when I was only four years old. My grandfather was angry and threatened me, telling me never to tell my grandma or my mom about what he had done. He didn't say anything about my daddy. I guess he had raised him to understand these things already. My grandfather was a teacher and a basketball coach in Indiana and a principal in Ohio. For years, he was recruiting high school students and other teachers into the Kinsey philosophy. In the early 1940s, my father was also doing things to me and telling me it was our special secret and not to tell my mom. Kinsey's sex education program had now also stolen my virginity. At this time, we moved to a very remote little farm town in the country, and as a result, my father would have more time with me. When my baby brother was born, my mother was in the hospital for two weeks. 
that was a really terrible time in my life. One summer afternoon in 1943, I saw a mimeograph paper that had a list of questions with something about the word orgasm on it. The paper had little boxes down the left-hand side, and I assumed my dad was to fill it out. When he caught me looking at it, he grabbed it out of my hand and said he had to send it away because he had a deadline to meet. Then he put the paper in a big brown envelope. I assume he sent it to Kinsey. When I asked him what the word orgasm meant, he told me exactly what it meant. He said that was why he was using a stopwatch to time our making love. The words sex and incest were never used, nor did I have any knowledge of those words. My father reminded me not to tell my mom. Then he got very serious and told me that doing so would cause a divorce. I didn't want God to think I had broken up my family, so I never told my mother. I hated it, but I did everything my daddy told me to do, even to the point of pain. Sometimes I had very severe pains in my back during the convulsions. That really scared me. But he wasn't paying any attention to what I was saying at that particular time. I was taught all about how to use a condom. He said it was important for me to learn these things because it would help me to be a better wife to my husband when I got married. At this time of my life, Kinsey's sex education instruction was robbing me of my basic academic education. It was hard to concentrate at school, and I wasn't doing very well. My struggles in school still affect me to this day. Between 1943 and 1944, my daddy took me to my great-grandmother and grandfather's house in Columbus, Ohio. He said I was going there to be interviewed by a very important man. My daddy told me how to answer the questions before he got there. He said it was very important I give right answers. When Kinsey arrived, he had two men with him. One man, his name was Gebhard, had a clipboard, and he was making marks on it. Kinsey asked simple questions like, Did I have a happy family? And did I love my daddy? So mesmerized were Americans by the authority of science with a capital S that it took 40 years before anyone wondered how data was gathered on the sexual responses of children as young as five. After the interview, my grandfather reminded Kinsey about the check. I saw Mr. Kinsey hand the check to my grandfather and my father. He said it was made out to both of them because he didn't know how they wanted to split it up. Soon after that, we moved into our tiny new home in the city. One day, my mother came home unexpectedly and caught him in the act. She was outraged and sent me outside. About an hour and a half later, she came out and sat next to me. She had been crying. She explained to me that what Daddy had been doing to me was a serious crime. I'm sure she never knew about Kinsey. We talked for a long time. I was about 11. And she had to teach me about what was right and wrong. 
Then she wanted to know how I would feel if she called the police to take him to jail. We were both in shock. As a child, I was worried about what I would say to people when they asked about the police coming to my house. And what would the kids at school say about me if there was a trial? Then she said that we had another choice. We could choose to never talk about this ever again to anyone. My dad left for several months. We sold our home and moved away. My father cried and begged my mother to take him back. He promised he would never do it again. My mother sacrificed her life for my brother and me. She never really trusted him again. And after a long time, she must have chosen to forgive my father. She watched him like a hawk. And from time to time, she asked me if he had tried anything with me. I was old enough by now to fight him off when I needed to. In 1947, my dad secretly handed me a pre-published copy of The Human Sexuality of the American Male by Alfred Kinsey. He said it still had some typos in it. It looked like a small Bible with a dark green cover. Dad said he was very proud that he had helped to do the research for the author of this book. He said it would be a very important book because it was going to change the way the world would view sexuality. He wanted me to read it and write two paragraphs about what I thought about the book. He said I should not let my mother see it or I would make trouble for the family again. I had only two weeks to read it because he had to send in my comments so they could be included in the final edition. I looked at just a few pages of the graphs and I knew I wanted nothing to do with it. I never wrote the paragraphs. I really didn't understand the full impact of this book until many years later, but I knew I had been used to write this book. A few years later, in 1951, our family had Thanksgiving dinner at my uncle's house in Bloomington, Indiana. Before dinner, my grandfather, my father, and my uncle went over to the campus of Indiana University to meet with some of my grandfather's friends who were professors. I think they met with Alfred Kinsey. They may have made a deal to use the same research from the 1940s in Kinsey's new book, The Human Sexuality of the American Female, which was published in 1953. I remember they were gone for about four hours, and made our Thanksgiving dinner very late. In 1956, I married my wonderful husband. Together we had three sons, and by the 70s they were old enough for sex education classes. I was furious to find Alfred Kinsey's teachings in our public high school. I had never told my husband about my childhood, and he could not understand my extreme rage about the teachings on condoms, I wanted my sons to be abstinent until they were married, like their father. However, that was not what my children were being taught at the school, and it proved to be devastating to their lives in the years to come. Kinsey's teachings had hurt me and my sons, and that's when I decided to become an active volunteer 
to change what I could and to educate parents about what was wrong in public education. I believe our stories will show the horrific ends Kinsey and his supporters went to in order to prove that children are sexual from birth. I still remember how I was used by Kinsey. Let me state right now that I know by experience children are not sexual from birth. They are overpowered by adults and forced into compliant behavior with threats. Esther is the pseudonym used to protect the identity of the contributor. And this story is from the Casualties of Kinsey Abstinence Clearinghouse. There is a link to the reason CSE is often referred to as public school porn. Father of sex ed inspired father of porn. Alfred Kinsey and Hugh Hefner. This is a quote from an article in WorldNet Daily by Joan Vion. Dr. Kinsey wrote a book that inspired Hugh Hefner to start Playboy, which became the first upscale monthly pornographic magazine for Joe College guys. When Hugh, that's Hugh Hefner, was in college, he read Dr. Kinsey's book, Sexual Behavior in the Human Male, which was published in 1948. As a result of the conclusions reached by Dr. Kinsey and cohorts, Wardell Pomeroy and Clyde Martin, Hefner used it to write his college thesis. He decided to produce a magazine with an open approach to sex. Playboy made its debut in 1953 with Marilyn Monroe on the cover. Fifteen years after Playboy, Penthouse came out, and ten years later, in 1978, Hustler made its debut, paving the way for an avalanche of the inevitable raw porno magazines, unquote. There is tragic fallout of the sexual revolution. If the truth be told, the sexual revolution has been a disaster, and before the push to loosen America's sexual mores really got underway in the 1950s, the only widely reported sexually transmitted diseases in the United States were gonorrhea and syphilis. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention estimates that there are approximately 20 million new STD infections each year. Almost half of them among young people ages 15 to 24. The cost of STDs to the US healthcare system is estimated to be as much as 16 billion annually. Because many cases of STDs go undiagnosed and some common viral infections such as human papillomavirus or HPV and genital herpes are not reported to the CDC at all, the reported cases of chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis represent only a fraction of the true burden of STDs in the United States. Untreated, STDs can lead to serious long-term health consequences, especially for adolescent girls and young women. The CDC estimates that undiagnosed and untreated STDs cause at least 24,000 women in the United States each year to become infertile. 
The Kinsey Institute for Research in Sex, Gender, and Reproduction was a nonprofit research institute at Indiana University until November 30, 2016. At that time, it merged with Indiana University, abolishing the 1947 Independent Incorporation absolutely and completely. It was established in Bloomington, Indiana in 1947. This is what the executive director, Dr. Justin Garcia, says. Today's Kinsey Institute is a dynamic, interdisciplinary research center an archival collection, world-renowned for research, historical preservation, and education programs exploring sex, sexuality, relationships, and well-being. We welcome you to join us in the discovery of the unknown as we continue to advance knowledge and change the world for the better. Parents' Rights and Education disagrees with Justin Garcia. It's not better. And we want you out of the public schools. I'm Suzanne Gallagher, and this is Parents' Rights Now. Please forward this to your friends. Do you know any parents who don't have any time to read lengthy emails? That's what the podcast is for. You have complete control over your access to this information. And you can share it. Share, share, share. Please send it to your friends and invite them to subscribe to Parents' Rights Now. Don't forget to register for the Northwest Safe Schools Summit featuring Walt Heyer, Heidi St. John, Bernadette Broyles Esquire, and Rebecca Friedrichs. Check out events on our website. Parents' Rights in Education is a tax-deductible, non-profit organization We rely solely on your contributions. Help stop sexualization of our students in public schools. Together, we can do this. See you next time to learn more about parents' rights now.